um, I felt last week uh, that we needed to, to continue this conversation. Um, we talked about uh, how vision is important, not just for us as individuals, uh, but for our families, for our marriages, and for the purpose that God has for our life. Vision is important. We, we started this question, uh, what is your vision? What is the thing that God has spoken to your heart? What is the thing um, that he's giving you to help lead you into the destiny that he has for your life? What is the purpose that God has uniquely placed you here for in this time, in this season? Last week we said that vision allows us to have a guide marker on the roadmap of destiny. And it sets the compass on the purpose for our life. We looked at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I'm going to have them put that up. In the King James Version, it uh, says, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. Passion translation is a little sweeter. It says, uh, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. We talked about vision. We said that once vision is established, once you have the vision that God has given you, every decision that you make should have a question before it. And that question is, does this decision, does this thing that I'm about to do, this thing that I'm about to embark on, this, this whatever this is, does this fall in line with the vision? Does it fall in line with the vision? Does this align with the vision for my life? And if it doesn't, we don't consider it. We looked at the, uh, the scripture of Jesus calming the storm in Mark. And we said that vision requires faith. At the end of that story, Jesus said, do you still not have faith in me? So we learned that vision requires faith. And we came to the conclusion because of what Jesus said in the beginning of that scripture, we came to the conclusion that when God gives us vision, we should be encouraged that when we go in God given vision, we don't go alone because he goes with us. See, in the beginning of that, that scripture, if you weren't here last week, download the podcast, watch the YouTube, you can go see it. But in the beginning of that scripture, he says, let us go to the other side. Let us together. And so we can be encouraged that we're, when we go, we go with God. We looked at Habakkuk. Habakkuk was the prophet who received this response from the Lord as he was asking questions and the Lord telling him to write the vision and make it plain, the, the Amplified version says, excuse me, the message version says, write it in big block letters so that anyone who sees it can run. We said it, it is important that we write down what God has said 
Because on the way to destiny, there will be opportunities for you to forget while you're in motion. Things will come, things will happen, situations will occur that will be opportunities for you to forget while you're in motion. Today, I want to continue this conversation on vision, and I want to speak on something that we all need to be aware of as it pertains to vision. Something that we may know about or we may not know about. Today, I want to talk about vision blockers. We talked about what vision was. We, we touched on how to move forward with the vision. However, there are things that we will encounter along the way that we may not be aware of that are there to distract us and that are there to allow us to never walk in the fullness of the vision of God's given us. Vision blockers. And it's so important that we are discerning, that we are aware of these things so that we can avoid them. So that we can walk in and see to completion the vision that God has given us. Y'all ready to dive in? Let's go. Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 17 It reads as this, uh, uh, as he was leaving on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him. He was talking about Jesus here. As Jesus left, he was, he was on a journey. A man uh, ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, you who are essentially good and morally perfect, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That is eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is essentially good by nature except God. No one. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't steal. Testify falsely. Defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he replied to him, teacher, I have carefully kept all these commandments since my youth. Looking at him, Jesus felt the love. He felt a, a high regard. He felt a, a compassion for him. And he says, you lack one thing. It's always the one thing. It's always the but right there in the middle. You lack one thing. Go and sell all your property and give the money to the poor, and you will have abundant treasure in heaven, and come and follow me, be becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me, walking in the same path of life that I walk. But the man was saddened at Jesus' words, and he left grieving because he owned much property and had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. The first thing that could be blocking the vision that God has for us is our stuff, is our stuff. We love our stuff. See, our, our stuff provides a sense of accomplishment. Um, it, it has a sense of, of security. It provides a, a comfortability. We love our stuff. 
We accumulate our stuff. We, we show off our stuff. We, we tell people about our stuff. Uh, but when we put our stuff above our submission to the will of God, we lose sight of the vision. Because we shifted our focus and our allegiance to the gift instead of the gift giver. We shifted our focus. See, the, the, the vision casted here uh, by the, rich, uh, by the uh, young ruler was, was uh, uh, eternal life. He came in asking, how do I get eternal life? But he encountered a vision blocker that robbed him immediately of possibly, arguably, the greatest opportunity of his entire life. Why? Because this man loved his stuff. He loved his stuff. He had pride in his accomplishment that, that he had followed. He said, teacher, I have carefully followed all of the commandments my entire life. There were about 164 of the Mosaic commandments. And he said, I followed all of them. So he was, he was proud of his accomplishments. He had worked hard to get the money that he had amassed. The, the scripture says he was rich. He had a little change in his pocket. He worked hard to get the money that he had. He, he, he was a businessman and that allowed him to get the, the properties and the land that he had. He put time, he put effort, he put sweat, his tears. He put his life into what he had. And what he accomplished. But when he, what he had came in conflict with the vision. When, when he was asked to give up what he gained. When the stuff came in conflict with the vision. He chose the stuff. He chose the stuff. Please. Please don't get so comfortable with what you've got that you miss out on what God is trying to give. Please don't. If it's money, if it's accolades, if it's comfortability, do not allow the love of stuff to block the vision that God has for you. Beware of your stuff. I think about that... Uh, Meme that went around a couple years back, and there's this little girl, and she's holding this, this little bear. She's looking up at a man who's supposed to be Jesus, and Jesus has his hand out asking for the bear. And behind Jesus' back was a bigger bear that she couldn't see. And in the quote, she said, she says in the quote, I want to give it up, but I love it so much. See, she couldn't see what was coming because she was too focused on what she had. Beware of your stuff. Your stuff can be a vision blocker. Let's keep moving. We're in Mark. Let's turn over back to Luke. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and let's start in verse 42. 
Luke chapter 8, in verse 42, I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says, now as Jesus was returning to Galilee, the people welcomed him. For they had all been expecting him. Now, a man named Jairus, a synagogue official, came to him. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began begging him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as Jesus went, the people were crowding against him, almost crushing him. I remember dad brought this scripture up uh, a couple weeks back when he preached. And I, I wanted to uh, tag, on, tag on to this. J. Iris, the synagogue official. Um, at, at verse 43 through 48, we, we, uh, it tells the story about a woman with an issue of blood that needed healing. And we see this process through there, and we pick it up in verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the synagogue's official house came and said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Do not inconvenience the teacher any further. But Jesus, hearing this, answered him, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe and trust in me and have faith in my ability to do this, and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping loudly and mourning for her, but he said, do not weep. For she is not dead, but sleeping. Then they began laughing scornfully at him and ridiculing him, knowing without any doubt that she was dead. I'm going to put knowing in quotations. But Jesus took a hold of her hand and spoke, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he ordered that she be given something to eat. See, the second vision blocker, the second thing that could block God's division that God has for us is our circle. The people around us. Circle of of those who, who we speak to, who we come in contact with, those that, that, that are supposed to be our friends. C.J. Iris was a leader in the local synagogue. He was a man of respect. He was a man of stature. But in this moment, he had no choice but to be totally dependent on Jesus. Jairus had faith that Jesus could heal his daughter. The vision was ignited. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made his way there. Like Jesus, like, like dad said, he went past the synagogue. He went past all of those people in the synagogue. He went past the, the leaders of the Sanhedrin. He went past that and he came to Jesus. So the vision had already been ignited inside of him of health and healing for his daughter. But along the way, he had a people problem. He had a people problem. See, he had several opportunities to forego his faith because of the report and the actions of people. They told him uh, not to inconvenience Jesus as if his daughter's life was somehow a burden. Then when he arrived, 
And Jesus began speaking towards the outcome of Jairus' faith when he began speaking toward the vision that Jairus already have. They laughed and mocked scornfully. Please understand that the vision that God gives you might come with ridicule from those who have no vision. This is why we must constantly evaluate our circle. We must constantly evaluate those who are around us. See, the problem that we face when we have the wrong people in our life is the doors and the walls get mixed up. So you end up with someone who keeps you from the vision and they act as a wall instead of a door that should have led you toward the vision that God has for you. Check your circle. Moses had a vision. And people complained the entire time. They complained the entire time. Joseph had a vision and his own flesh and blood sold him into slavery. Everyone can't handle what God has given to you. Everyone can't contain what God has given to you. And we cannot lose sight or be distracted from the vision because our circle seems to be getting smaller. You can't get distracted because you had a large circle of friends and it seems like as you move forward on what God has for you, the circle keeps getting smaller. But Pastor Keith, I love my friends and I just have this friend group and I just love my friend group. Okay. Settle there. And you and your friend group going to be right where you at. We have to constantly evaluate it. Sometimes those who are walking with us can't see what we see. They can't see what we see. Uh, my wife said this yesterday. I stole it from her. She said, when God called you, it wasn't a conference call. She said, hey, yes, I'm like, mm, I'm going to take that. We must be in constant communication with God about those who are around us. And if the circle that we have is meant to go with us where he's destined us to go. Sometimes that circle is good for where you are, but it can't go with you where you're going. And you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with that. Sometimes the walk is lonely and that is okay. And I know that we're in this generation right now where we got to have friends and we got to have people and people got to be around us all the time and we want to celebrate with us and we want to take them with us so they can see our victory. Let me tell you something. If you're holding me back, I will. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me say this differently. If you find yourself attached to people who are holding you back, it's time for you to let them go. Yes. It's time for you to let them go. Because the place that God has for you to go, it just can't go with you. Don't let your circle stop you from getting the vision that God has for you. Beware of your circle. Your circle can be a blessing blocker. I'm going to move on because y'all didn't love that. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. 
Um, uh, I'm going to read. I'm, I'm, we're going to, let's go through Exodus, and I'm going to go uh, through chapter 3 and chapter 4, and I'm going to skip around, and I believe by the end you'll see uh, what the last uh, blocker of vision can be. I'm going to start in verse 7. Exodus 3 verse 7 uh, says, the Lord said, I have in fact seen the affliction. I've seen the suffering, the desolation of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmaster, because of their oppressors, for I know their pain and suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand, from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from from that land to a land that is good and spacious, to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pezzarite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Jesus responds in verse 12, verse 13 says, Then Moses said, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and, and, and say to them, The God of your, your fathers and their ancestors has sent, to, sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What am I to say? And Jesus answered him. In chapter 4, verse 1, then Moses answered again, what if they will not believe me or take seriously what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord responds. We pick it up in verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord. I am not a man of words. I am not eloquent or fluent, neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. Yeah. And the Lord responds again. In verse 13, but he said, please, my Lord, send the message of rescue to Israel by someone else whomever you will send, whomever you will choose. One of the most common vision blockers that we encounter, more than our stuff, more than our circle, is ourselves. God started this conversation by saying, I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians. He said, I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, here, going back to my first point, we see that when God sends us, he said, I'm coming. So obviously, if I'm coming and I'm talking to you, I'm going with you. But Moses spent the next chapter in each of his responses doubting his ability to be used by God. We as believers have to shed this lie from the enemy that we are somehow inadequate. And we must settle in our minds that we are enough. We are enough. 
We are enough to complete the vision because he who lives in us and he who gave it to us is more than enough. So if he is in us, we are enough. He gave us the vision. He didn't misdial you by accident. He didn't mean to, to give that vision to someone else. He didn't make a mistake when he gave you the vision. He knows exactly who you are. He knew exactly who you were. He knows what you've walked through. He knows all of your imperfections and he still chose you. He still called you. He still equipped you. Not somebody else. Not the next person. You. You. We have to die to this idea that we know more than God. We really think we know more than God. Don't move. Don't, 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 don't move. We won't know it's you. But we really act like we know more than God. The nerve that when God tells us something, we have a response. There is no response. You speak? Yes, Lord. But we want to go back and forth with God. We want to go back and forth with our ideas and what we think. And, and, but God, do you know, have you considered what? We have to die to the idea that we know more than God. We have to die to our plan and how we think our life should work out. We have to die to ourselves. We can no longer allow sin to distract and to delay us. We can no longer allow our our negative self-opinion. We can no longer allow doubt and unbelief within us to be the blocker of God's provision and vision for our life. Get out of the way so God can move in you to see his vision come to pass through you. Get out of the way. Ourselves, it's us. Why, has, why haven't I, I come, why haven't I uh, walked in what God has? Because you don't want to be obedient. That's why. Because you don't want to listen to what he's saying. Because you don't want to give up that thing. The Bible says lay aside the weight that so, lay aside the sin and the weight that just so easily besets you. But you don't want to give it up. And you're trying to figure out, why am I not living my life to the fullest? Why am I not walking in the glory and the manifestation of God? Because you don't want to be obedient. Because you have an opinion about yourself outside of what God has said about you. Because you're walking in fear. Because you're walking in doubt and unbelief. God don't care how old you are. He says, let no one despise your youth. But if we see all through the Bible, God, wait, 100, 200, 300. I can still use you. But we have to get out of the way. We sometimes are the blessing blocker. We are the vision blocker. We must be aware of our circle. 
We have to die daily to ourselves. And we got to be willing to let go of our stuff. The first step in finding and moving toward vision is turning away from the things that have robbed us of direction. Vision blockers. Getting rid of those things that have been blocking and hindering God's vision from coming to pass in our life. Today we, we, we talk about that and talk about those things coming to pass in our life, but I understand that some of you, this might be your first week, and you might have missed last week, and you may have this question that's in you. I hear what you're saying, and I get it all, but how do I discover God's vision for me? How do I get to this place where I'm hearing God's vision for my life? Last week, we said the first thing that we can do first thing that you should do is pray. And you can pray something as simple as this. God, what is the vision you have for my life? Lord, how do you desire for me to uniquely walk out the purpose and plan that you have for me? Thank you for clearly revealing it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. You could pray something just as simple as that. And then allow God to begin to move. And then I know, I know, the next question is, well, how do I know if he answered my prayer? How do I know? How do I identify the vision? That's all good, but how do I know? When God is birthing vision in you, it usually starts with a need. You see a need. And at some point, you cross this line from seeing that need uh, to you have this burning desire that to do something about it. Most people will just see it and keep moving, but you'll just keep coming back to it. You have this desire to, to, to do something about that need. It begins to weigh heavily on your heart, and you can't shake that thing. It, it's on your mind all day and all night. You can't escape it, and you want to act. That's how it usually starts. God is birthing vision inside each and every one of you. Dare to ask God for the strength and the courage to take a step forward to fulfilling the vision that God has for you. Dare to ask God for the courage. Dare to ask God for the strength to take the first step and see what happens. I am 100% sure that if you pray that prayer, that he will show you. And if you ask him for courage and you ask him for wisdom, you ask him for guidance, that he will give it to you. Some of you may or may not know this, um, but I uh, moonlight as a Christian hip hop artist. Uh, I had the unique privilege uh, since I was 17 years old. No, let me go. Yeah, yeah. 16 years old. I had the unique privilege to travel around the world and tell people about Jesus uh, through the gift uh, of rap, through hip-hop music. And I loved doing it. I, 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 it was nothing that I enjoyed more. 
But what most people don't know is how I started, how I got into that. Well, I was a part of a youth ministry at my church, um, and they had a rap ministry there. And when I snuck in youth ministry, um, because I wasn't old enough yet, I snuck in, I would see them on stage. And I would see them doing it. I was like, man, that's not great. That's not great at all. And I was like, I see what you're, I see what you're going for. I see how this is, I see what, you're, what the vision was. Not quite there, but I see, I see it. And I would keep going and I would be like, man, I just feel like it just could be better. I just, I don't know why. I just can't seem to let this go because I feel like it could just be so much better if they just did this. And they just, you know, just, just did this. And I asked my godfather, I said, you know, uh, uh, he probably doesn't remember this, I'm sure. And I was like, I just can't seem to figure out why I don't like it. I feel like it could be great. And he said, well, why don't you do it? I was like, huh? Yeah. Why don't you do it? I said, I never thought about that. And so what happened was this thing that I just couldn't seem to get off my mind, this thing that I felt that I could just, you know, if we did just did this and did that, and maybe we, you know, got a little better in this area and that area, this thing that start, started, I couldn't seem to let go, allowed me to realize the calling that God had for my life. And as I began to walk in that, as I begin to walk that out, as I begin to get opportunities, as I begin to create music, as I be, it became this thing that I, I just couldn't stop doing. Uh, I was on public transportation and I would be the kid with, with my headphones on. And back then I had a Walkman, parents explain to your kids. I had a Walkman and, and I would be, I, have, I would play the Walkman and I have a notebook in one hand and a, a Walkman in the other hand and I would just be writing and people would ask me, what you doing? I was like, I'm, and I'm writing rhymes and, and, and I would go for hours. An hour and a half on the train to church, hour and a half back, anywhere I needed to go. I, I took public and I would have, I had so many AA batteries in my pockets, it didn't make. But it allowed me to walk in what God had for me. And I spent the next 10, 11, 12 years traveling around the world, telling people about the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ because I decided to walk in the vision that God had given me. I had an opportunity many, many years later, I met my beautiful wife on a cruise ship. If you haven't heard that story, it's pretty funny. And I had an opportunity to move from Atlanta to California. And I remember struggling with this decision. And it wasn't so much my wife, it wasn't that I didn't love California, I was in love with California. But it was this idea of leaving my circle. My friends that I had amassed, the, the, the culture that was there, the notoriety that I had gained as a result of, of being this, this, this Christian hip-hop artist, this, uh, leaving my stuff.
and leaving everything that I thought I knew in who I was. And I struggled. I struggled. I struggled. Until I got wise counsel. And I remember talking to dad. And talking to mom. Talking to my godparents. And making the decision to step out on faith. To step out on courage. Because God had something else in store. He had something. He had a vision that he didn't tell me. Because he knew if he told me I wouldn't have did. But he, he had a vision for my life that was bigger than what I left but I had to let go of what I had in order to receive what he had for me and so I moved to California when we had this idea this vision of planting limitless church it wasn't a easy Decision. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to be a pastor. As a matter of fact, it was quite the opposite. You know what? I don't ever want to be a pastor. And I remember when God gave me this vision and, and, and he just began stirring in me. I was, I was at a GNC and I'm talking to this person behind the counter and I asked him how they doing. And I could see the pain. I could see the hurt. And I just began engaging in this conversation and prying. And I wanted to to pray for him. And I wanted to to just hold him and tell him that it's going to be okay. And then I left that. And then I went to Sourdough next door because I was hungry. And I was there. and, And I'm in the line. And I'm talking. And this person behind me just starts striking up a conversation with me. We don't do that in Atlanta. But y'all do that here. And they... Just start striking up this conversation with me. And we just begin to talk. And I'm looking in the line and I'm seeing the people in the aisles and I'm seeing the the hurt. I'm seeing the disappointment. I'm seeing the the anxiety. I'm seeing the grief. I'm I'm seeing the the zombiness that they've entered into. And it just started bubbling up on me. Okay, okay. Okay, Lord, why are, you, why are you showing me this? I've been in rallies 50 times. Why are you showing me this now, Lord? Why, why, why am I having these conversations now? And it's just like, somebody got to give life to these people. Somebody got to tell these people about Jesus. Somebody needs to open the door so that they can have an understanding of the Word of God. Somebody needs to tell them that God loves them. And he said, that's why I sent you. That's why you're here. That's why I took you from Atlanta, Georgia and put you in Woodland, California because there were people there who needed to know the love of God. There were people there who needed to change the way that they see Jesus, who needed to change the way that they see faith, who need to change the way that they see church. There were people there who needed to take the limits off of their life. He says, that's why you're here. And I just couldn't let that thing go. I was like a dog with a bone. What, well, what do I need to do? What, how is this going to, what am I going to do? D- don't worry about that. Just take step one. And I said, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'll do it. And he says, I want you to plant Limitless Church. 
But God, I don't know how. I, I, you know, I told you I didn't want to be a pastor. Why, why, I, don't worry about that. Why? Because I'm going with you. You're not going by yourself. You don't have to have all of the answers. You don't need to know every step of the way. What I'm going to do is I'm going to place people around you because you left that circle. So I'm going to place people around you that's going to direct you and that's going to guide you. I'm going to give you favor with people. I'm going to I'm going to give them the vision to come alongside you. I'm going to set some things up and then you watch what I'm going to do. The only thing I need you to do is be obedient. And when God gives us a vision and we have the courage to walk it out, he will show up. He will provide. He will bring those around you that you need. He will give the answers for you. He will open doors that you thought were closed. He will give you favor. He will do it. He will do it. So even now, Even now as we sit here and we're believing God to to raise these finances so that we can move into our building. I was talking to a a pastor friend of mine and he says, well, well, what are you going to do? I said, I ain't got to do nothing. I fully expect God to show up because he gave me the vision. So that means he will give us to provision. I didn't call myself to Atlanta. I didn't call myself, excuse me, I didn't call myself to California. I didn't call myself to be a pastor. I didn't call myself to this church. He called me, so he has no choice but to show up. The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to walk in the vision that he's given me and I'm going to be obedient. And I challenge you. I challenge you, each and every one of you. I challenge you to pick up the vision that God has given you. I challenge you to walk in the thing that has been burning on the inside of you, that need that you have a desire to feel. And you may feel inadequate. You may feel like you don't have the tools. You may feel like you don't know what to do. I challenge you to walk in it. I challenge you to ask God to give you the courage to give you the, 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 the audacity, to give you everything that you need. And I dare you to take the step. And I promise you, he goes with you. And wherever he goes, vision, provision is there. Let go of of people. Don't be in people bondage. Nobody care about people. People don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. Don't be in people bondage. Let them go. Your stuff. The stuff is God's to begin with. He gave it to you. He gave you the job. He woke you up, gave you the breath in your lungs. You only have it because of him. And so to sacrifice it, to relinquish it, is only giving it back to him in the first place. And move out of the way. Please move out of the way. Get rid of that pride. Get rid of that that self-doubt. And let God see his vision come to pass through. Heavenly Father, we...